gorgeous, gorgeous listeners to this week's episode of His Film, Her Movie. I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren. And together we are the podcast that answers the question, to what lengths will one married couple go to to make the other watch some films that they love? In every episode, we choose a different cinematic topic and then each choose a film that relates to said topic. Yes. Pretty simple. Pretty simple concept, yeah? Yeah. So what is our topic this week? Well, like we discussed in the last week's episode, um, we have had our summer. Because yes. in Northern England, we get five days. We've had that. It's five days? Three days? Three days. I'm saying five. Global warming. <laughs> um, we've had that. So we thought we'd do hot summer films. So films based in heatwave, based in summer. Basically, if the sun's shining in that film, we'll watch it. Yes, that summer actually has an impact on the plot or yes. the atmosphere of the movie. Yes. So then, giving that fact, what have you chosen this week? I picked the 1955 Billy Wilder classic, The Seven Year Itch. Oof. Yes. And I chose 1954's Rear Window, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. But before we get into the films let's have our normal what has been keeping us entertained over the last seven days so what has been keeping you unbored unbored isn't even a word but unbored unbored i'm coining that phrase so um unfortunately i am quite late to the game and i discovered tiktok right for work it was actually for work. <laughs> I had to get social media for work. And I've now gone down a spiral of not of like people just making comedy videos, mainly point of view of dealing with really difficult customers because I remember that from back in the day. <laughs> and what I don't know why I've got a weird fascination with evil mother-in-law stories. And I think it's funny because my mother-in-law's lovely. Someone I'm going to give her this to listen to. <laughs> but she's lovely. <laughs> like I find it hilarious because like some people have got these awful people and they make and they tell all these stories about them. I'm like, one day my mother-in-law didn't give me toast that was quite toasted. That's it. I think that's the worst thing she's ever done because I like toasty toast. <laughs> It's like literally the worst thing she's ever done. <laughs> what so, about you? Well, we, let's go on to something we both watched. Yes. And I think it's going to be an interesting one, is that you wanted, for some apparent reason... <laughs> Again, social media. Because we've never seen an episode, but <laughs> we started watching season 17 of The Bachelorette. <laughs> Why? Okay, so... There is a woman that I follow on Instagram and she's quite funny and she just kept on posting about it. And then another Instagram account I followed that's also like a comedy sort of feminist one started posting about it, posting memes. And I was just like, there's a guy dressed as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, last year on the, I think it was last year on The Bachelor, possibly the year before, like the, the male version. Yeah. There was a guy who was like a virgin and was like going to meet all these women. And the first woman he like sent home or one of them was a woman who got out of the limo dressed as a sloth going, I heard you like to take things slow. <laughs> and I was like, that bitch should have won. She sounds amazing. 
But I just, I just want, I want the comedy. Yeah. Because it, these people are so earnest. That's and, it. It's everything is so earnest and like. I'm so... going to find love on this TV show. No, you're not, hun. You might get chlamydia <laughs> and possibly a UTI. But it's each one of these guys coming out and being, oh, you are the greatest thing. You, me and you You've would work so well. <laughs> not even on a window. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I'd be like, what's he wanting? <laughs> but that's it. And it's that's what I find different. And our American listeners, let us know because it's just these sorts of show shows wouldn't work over here. We're too in cynical. The UK. We are far too cynical. We're far too sarcastic. And we don't take it, it is a cliche, but we don't take compliments well. No, so we when don't. somebody would come up and say all these nice things, they just get Slapped? No, I don't think they get slapped. I'll probably giggle, go about red and go, you're as stupid or yeah, something. You're an idiot. <laughs> go away. Get inside. Go get me a drink. Like, I would... I If if that's honestly how like people date in America, I think that's really sweet that you can be open and honest and that earnest. Mm. Because the first thing I sent to you was about how wrong you were for yeah. liking DC over Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I insulted you. That was the first thing I ever said to you. Yep. Yeah. And we've just gone on from there. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, I mean, I think we're going to keep watching because we do need a good trash TV show. It's long. It bloody is long. It's an hour and a half an episode, an hour and like, what, 25 minutes an episode? Yeah. I was amazed by the amount of men. Like, there's 30 <laughs> men. It's like... I don't think I know 30 men. Yeah, but like, it's... At school, How does she yes. remember the names? I, and how... Wait, why aren't they wearing, like, name tags? Like, hi, mine. They're all called, like, Bryant and Kyle and there was, like, Andrew A. So there must be another Andrew in there that we've yeah. not actually seen. And I don't know. Brock. It's be, it's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking of really stereotypical American names because they just came out and you were just like, it's just man after man after man. And I'm like... Where's the cat guy? Where's the guy in the box? Yes. There's a guy in a box and there was a guy... He looks just... exactly like Bradley Cooper. He does look like Bradley Cooper. Honestly. It's like that guy came out of that box and everybody shit themselves. It's everybody like this was guy... like, oh my God, he's got a personality and good looks. Yeah. We're screwed. In a three-piece We're... suit. Yes, but it did look... The three-piece suit kind of reminded me of you know, you know the sort of the the charfa lads that you see who go out on like a Saturday night yeah, and they yeah, have yeah. like the tight chinos and the boat shoes with no socks. Yes, that's what he reminds me of. He reminds me of a very specific sort of top man esque right sort of thing. So like it was it was swole, <laughs> swole, swole, and his 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 little three piece was just a little bit too tight for him <laughs> just to just to show that he was swole. <laughs> Okay. So I actually went to the cinema and watched an actual film. I didn't. I watched TikTok. (laughs) And yeah, I watched the latest installment of John, Jim from The Office, Krasinski's horror franchise, Mm -hmm. The Quiet Place Part 2. Now, this comes after the first being a bit of a surprise hit back in 2018. And... It's one of those rare examples of a super high concept horror film actually delivering a great experience on the premise. And that premise being that an alien invasion of sorts, 
happens and these creatures that come down have crazy sensitive hearing. They don't mm-hmm. have eyes they can't see, but they hunt people by sound. So what does this lead to? Silence. A, f- a silence. So a film that really has very minimal dialogue mm-hmm. and where the characters are trying to make as little sound as possible. And there's just everybody eating the popcorn. Well, in, in, in yes, in the cinema, but hopefully, well, gladly there was only about six people in the cinema, so it wasn't wasn't that loud. Do you, is it definitely something that you that you should see at the cinema? Like this this isn't gonna hit the same way at home. Um I think it looked good on the big screen. I didn't watch the first one in the cinema. I didn't get around to it for some apparent reason. Um but it yeah, it it works. It's what it does really, really well is because if you've got something as high concept as you can't make noise, mm-hmm. you always have that relentless tension mm-hmm. that it's when every sound that is even a tiny bit above whisper seems like an explosion. And it's sort of like you are just waiting for something to happen. And that works really well because when something does happen and you're, and you're like, oh, Christ. They're going to get found. They're going to mm-hmm. get eaten. They're going to get killed, etc., etc., etc. And yeah, and it, that carries on in the second movie. What I liked is that <clears throat> this second film really does take off just where the first one finishes. Okay. It, it's very much a continuation of that story. Mm-hmm. And another thing that it does well, and I think was a great decision, is that it makes. The kids of this family, because we follow a family in the first one, mm-hmm. it makes the kids the heroes. Uh, they are the, the leads, really. Mm-hmm. Um, where in the first one, it's John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, who is actually his wife in real life. Mm-hmm. But what I quite like about it and the way it does it is like the fact that, I mean, it helps with the film's dynamic, but the eldest child is actually deaf. So that means that's how they can communicate in silence. Oh, okay. So they can just do... Sign language anyway. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I liked about this one, I mean, I think it did it a few times in the first one, but not as much as in the second, is that whenever we're in like a close-up of that character, the audio changes. It changes to sort of like what she would be hearing mm-hmm. because the, the 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 girl who plays the, the role said she could hear little bits but not... Like it's sort of like a muffled, a really, really. Is it like a little bit like you're trying to like listen through a wall or maybe, like underwater? Yeah, or yeah. Something? But but it's when when it cuts like so, it's when you've got like attacks happening or things like that, mm-hmm. and you've got all this chaos around you, but this muffled, hard you can hear, and it, it, it's it's so disorientating to 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 see that you like that and to experience the events as she would. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really, really smart thing. And yeah, it's maybe not as good as the first, but it's it really is an entertaining time. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it tees up a third, and I will be there in the cinema for the third. That's um, good. Do you, think, do you get to see the aliens? Oh, oh yeah, you get to see them in full, full floor. Full floor? Full floor, you get to see everything. Like, do they eat people? They don't really eat people. They sort of tear them apart. Oh, okay. But they're sort of like these long arm, long limbed things, and they have like one big ear as a head. 
but it's not like an ear, but it's like a listening apparatus. It, oh, okay. So it sort of opens up like, like do you know the the monster in Stranger Things when you see him and it's like yeah, like a flower. Yeah, like that. So yeah, a Quiet Place Part Two is definitely definitely a recommend. The other things that I've watched, um, two in a franchise, and there's a reason, a few reasons why I watch these, and that is well. I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. So first up, like this film just turned 40 years old. The new 4K transfers were just released. And a podcast that I really enjoy listening to called 70mm are doing Indiana Dunes. So they're Indiana looking Dunes. <laughs> So they're looking at all four installments of the Indiana Jones franchise week on week. So I thought I'd join them in that. And yeah, it, there's not much you can say about Raiders of the Lost Ark that already hasn't been said a trillion times. It's pretty much the perfect adventure film. It has the correct amount of action, character, comedy, and a mystery to, to grip you. And it looks fantastic. 4K is great. And it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you haven't seen it, go see it because... You haven't seen it, what you've been doing with your life? Exactly. It's one of those great family movies that has a little bit of edge to it. Like, it's not a full-on kids movie. Yeah, because I was going to say, you say it's like a full-on, it's like a family movie, but, like, Nazis get melted. And I know yeah, we do. don't want, I know we don't want them around us, but I remember watching that as a child and freaking out. Absolutely. There is some, I mean, and, and the special effects of, like, that um, face melting and things. But, yeah, it's just, it's, the set pieces, you've got the whole set piece regarding the truck and the guy who's mm-hmm. underneath it and just watching the special, watching the behind the scenes and, and things like that and seeing how that <clears> was done and how it was, how it was like choreographed is just wonderful. And following on from Raiders of the Lost Ark, I watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> so this is the, the ugly duckling of the trilogy, the original trilogy of movies. People like Raiders, people like Last Crusade, but sometimes people don't get on with Temple of Doom. Is Temple of Doom the newest one? No, that's the Kingdom of a Crystal Skull. So that was actually... Temple of Doom was... I think Raiders was 1981, Temple of Doom was 1984. Right. And Last Crusade was 1989, I think. But it's one of those... It isn't as good as the other two, Mm -hmm. but it isn't a bad movie. It, It has moments where... You have to really forget physics mm-hmm. and let your disbelief run riot. I mean, it starts off really well with this kitschy opening, but then there's a set piece regarding a plane, a rubber dinghy, and them jumping out of the plane and using the rubber dinghy to, to land. It doesn't quite work. But what Temple of Doom has, and even what Raiders didn't have, because Raiders feels like a location movie. Mm-hmm. As I say, it feels like a David Lean adventure movie. You've got the deserts and you've got all these sort of lived-in environments where Temple of Doom, what you've got is some wonderful sets. Like the actual, the child mine, the, the, the actual Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. They're just grandiose, huge sets, which wouldn't get made anymore because... They'd make what's in front of them and just green screen it all. Yeah. But I love seeing the detail and I love seeing that vastness of it all. It's and nice to have a physical set. It is. To have more texture to it. And I said, I would love to have 
like a Harry Potter experience of these sets because mm-hmm. they're so, so wonderful and add <clears throat> a lot to the movie. And, yeah, it's, it's again, it's got, it's got family film credentials, but does go into some dark, disturbing places. Um, and it's quite scary, so it, it's a good entry-level drug to any kids that you just want to push push to a bit more of a, a, <laughs> a horror-leaning, to say the least. That did not work for me. No. But, and that's it. That's all I've watched um, this week. So yeah. we'll get into the film. So as I said, we're doing summer movies. Which one do you want to do first? Do you want to do The Seven Year Itch or do you want to do Rear Window? We'll do The Seven Year Itch first. You know what she'd probably think? She'd probably think you were the plumber. A blonde plumber? Absolutely. She trusts me implicitly. What's the matter with her? Doesn't she love you? Oh, she loves me. You know, she worries about me. I had an awful cigarette cough, and she made me stop smoking. (coughs) Oh, she loves me, all right. Isn't she jealous? Not really. Why should Helen be jealous of me? How can anybody be jealous of somebody with a briefcase who's getting a little pot, who gets so sleepy by 9.30 he can't keep his eyes open? (laughs) She trusts me. It would never even occur to her that I... Like last Christmas, I came home from the office party. I had lipstick on my collar. You know what Helen said? She said, darling, what's that on your collar? Cranberry sauce? <laughs> That's bad. You know who kissed me? Old Mrs. Brady. Let's face it. No pretty girl in her right mind wants me. She wants Gregory Peck. Is that so? Well, isn't it? How do you know what a pretty girl wants? Well, I don't really know. But I imagine a pretty... You and your imagination... You think every girl's a dope. Okay, so my film was the 1955 Billy Wilder, The Seven Year Itch. It's, um... I was going to say The Seven Inch would be a completely different (laughs) movie. The Seven Year Itch. Jordan, just have to bring the... Have to bring it down again. It's a film that's been parodied... A lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Everybody sort of knows bits about it. Everybody has sort of heard of it or the idea of the seven-year itch has permeated into popular culture because I remember hearing about it and thinking that that was a a thing Hmm. because that's how people spoke about it. It's something that has then gone on to influence um, modern culture. Uh, The two main people in it is Marilyn Monroe, who just plays... The girl. The girl. And Tom Ewell, who plays Richard Sherman. Yeah. Or the guy. <laughs> and basically what happens is um, Richard Sherman's family, his wife and his kid, go off to Maine, I think it is, yeah. they go to, for the summer to get out of New York because New York gets so hot. Yeah, and it seems to be like all wives seem to go all there. All wives and kids. Like go out to the city because it gets so hot. And it's something, again, that you've seen if you watch uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. It happens in there. People talk about it in Sex and the City. It's a cultural thing that doesn't happen to the same extent, but is still something that is sort of embedded into like yeah. the New York culture. So it's something that everybody kind of knows about. Yeah. And um, basically, whilst the cats are away, the mice will play, and it is... The summer of debauchery for mm. most men. 
where they can cheat on their wives, they can eat what they like, they can smoke, they can drink. Yeah. And um, Richard basically is like, nope, I'm going to behave, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to drink, and I'm going to eat healthy. And, well, that pretty much goes out the window within 12 hours of, of him dropping his wife off at the train station. Yeah. And um, then Marilyn Monroe moves in upstairs. Yes. And... Adventures ensues. Hilarity ensues. You say hilarity. I I find I find it's very much a product of its time. Absolutely. This film. It literally is my first it's it, my first note on this movie. It's very much a product of its time. As I think yours is, but I feel like yeah. yours is a lot less problematic. Mm. And I think that that is because this is yours is a serious film. Mine's comedy. Yeah. So it's drawing from what is funny at the time. And I um, personally don't find the idea of a... Infidelity. <laughs> not, not, not just infidelity, but the whole idea of him getting all very hot under the collar of him imagining her naked and imagining her putting mm. her panties in the icebox and... This sort of thing. Um, it's a really. It's got. It's got the iconic scene of Marilyn Monroe in the white halter yeah. neck dress over the subway grate, which has been done and done. Well, it's one of the most famous <clears throat> images in the history of the world. It is. It is. If you think of Marilyn Monroe, nine times out of ten, you'll probably think of that. Yeah. Um, and she looks amazing in it. I find things. The things that I found quite funny about it was um when you're watching it it's a little bit like oh what was the guy that we watched and you were like oh it's like a redemption story and i was like no he's just an asshole who kept on lying about everything and imagining things really liar yes it's similar in that sort of way because he um richard sherman has an incredibly overactive imagination yes. where he's like oh wife my Assistant fancies me and she cries because she can't be with me. That woman couldn't, as long as she gets paid, his assistant does not care if he's no. there or, at all. He totally fantasizes about all these different things and says about how his wife's nagging him. And she's like, Well, the doctor said you've got to eat healthy and stop smoking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so please don't die. I'd like it if you lived. Always nice to hear. Yeah. Usually it's somebody trying to kill their spouse. Um, but then he gets very jealous think, thinking up that his wife is cheating on him. And I think that is what it plays at. It, yes, it is a, a huge product of its time. Mm -hmm. and, and I think if, if you can't let that slide, you're not going to have fun with this movie at no. all because you just want, you're just, it'll make your teeth itch. Yes, and there was a couple of bits where I was like, I can't quite get past this bit, yeah. but there's other bits that I loved in it. Absolutely. And I think <clears throat> the only thing that it does, I think smartly, is that it looks at the weakness of men mm -hmm. and not like the women are seducing the men. It, it looks at just how fickle masculinity is. Yes. But also how easily led they are as well. Not really led, but easily Manipulated. Manipulated, yeah. Yeah, because you see, Marilyn says at one point, um, she's been proposed to like seven or eight times, and 
She doesn't want to be married. She likes being independent. She never actually leads him on. She's just very friendly. Mm. And then when she fight, when he starts flirting and she comes down with and everything, and they sort of start going out, seeing each other. Well, I don't think. I think it's more so like as friends. It's kind of yeah. But, but she but, says that she likes going out with married men because yeah. there's no commitment. Yeah. So she's like, well, that's fine because. I can still be myself. I can do whatever I want. I can get presents from you. I can get nice meals from you. And then I can go home and you have to stay at home with your wife. Yeah. It, it's that she knows exactly what she's doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And she she's played like by like the dumb blonde and everything. But everything she actually does is a little bit calculating. She's very aware of the effect that she has. But she doesn't come across as a bad person. No, no. Not at all. He just comes across as really dumb. Yeah, and I think what with Tom Yule's character, for me, it had just about enough nervous energy and laughs. It's teetering though. Like at some points, I was on the edge of the character losing me, and of me just saying, Do "You know what? No, you're an ass." Yeah. However, it does bring it back, and I actually think it takes a little bit of time to get used to the actual style of the movie because yes mm-hmm. it, because it was a play mm-hmm. um and obviously in a play you can't just have silence of people looking and trying to think of things so it's the thinking out loud the yes. talking to nobody just mm-hmm. to make sure that people understand what he's thinking mm-hmm. and as soon as i got used to that and especially later on in the film and this is not what the film is going for but what i actually kind of liked was it's a really good representation of anxiety yeah actually yeah because when he is in the kitchen and he's making the toast and the the orange juice and he's gone through every single scenario Mm -hmm. of how the world's going to be coming crashing down on him yeah and he just spews it and i'm just like i was watching i was like oh christ this is basically what anxiety feels like it's not seeing the wood from the trees and just thinking the world is after you. Yeah. Um, and I really like that. And I I do love, see, regarding this, the gender politics and the relationship roles and things like that, mm-hmm. I do let it slide a little bit just because of the time, because of the, it's playing on stereotypes of that time. It is very much playing on stereotypes, yeah. Um. But what I kind of like watching these in these old movies is like the sexual repression. It's mm-hmm. just what people at this time found titillating and salacious. And yes. Like you couldn't make a film like this nowadays because we are so open about everything now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, yeah, it's a, a, like a nice little snapshot of of history. And then. You've got Marilyn Monroe. Now, I don't want this podcast to devolve into me swooning over <laughs> actresses because we've got two picks here where I could sit here and just, I would have cartoon hearts coming out of my head. Please note they're both blonde and his wife is fully brunette. <laughs> fully brunette. Like both parents have got dark hair. Don't think I could get any more brunette. <laughs> And thing is, this is two years after Gentleman before Blondes. It's just before some like it hot where she'd work mm-hmm. with Billy Wilder again. So this is 
her at her peak of cultural phenomenon-ness. And, yeah, that image of her above the subway grate was the most seen image probably for about a decade after that. Mm -hmm. It was on people's walls. It was everywhere. And she and Billy Wilder just plays that up. She think it's about Marilyn Monroe, I think, is that she's not necessarily an amazing actress, but she's got that something. And mm-hmm. it's that aura, it's that <clears throat> presence, it's mm-hmm. the innocent playing, being sort of ditzy, but obviously being smarter and just knowing exactly what she's doing to the audience. Yeah. Like you can see how her in this film would drive men wild mm-hmm. and, and women wild because she is just playing that perfect balance of, is she dumb enough to sleep with me? Yeah. But she, she, she knows she can get something for that. And oh, that, yeah. and that's not seeing that, say that in a negative way, but it's just having that, that, she's that not fish going on, a hook. on with she's not going into anything with any sort of blinkers on. She knows exactly what's happening. She knows exactly the way to act. And mm. She knows exactly the way that she wants to. Yeah. Uh, what wants to be and what she wants out of life. Out of everybody that you sort of see, she is the freest person because she knows what she wants and she's like, I'm not going to apologize for the kind of person that I am. Absolutely. Which I think is really good. And that's the thing is, is I don't think this is a classic by any means. And I think I give it like three and a half stars on Letterboxd because mm-hmm. it does have that issues here and there. And sometimes you can let it slide, sometimes you can't. But it's the style of it of which I like. It's the theatrical nature of it. And the chemistry between the two, because Tom Yule actually played it on the stage. Okay. So that's how he got this role. Because I don't, um, Billy Wilde to try to get Walter Matthau in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and the studio said no. However, I would love to have seen this film in Walter Matthau, and I think it would have been is a completely he, different film. Is, is he younger? Because this guy's meant to be... He was, he's meant to be 36. The guy... Was, oh, no, he's uh, meant to be like just... He's meant, meant, meant to be, what, 38? And he was like 46, but he looked 55. Yes. And just seeing him across from um, Marilyn Monroe was a little bit strange, but... I think, and she was 29. And she was 20, yeah. So it made him just look even older, bless him. Yeah. And... It's also, for me, Billy Wilder, this is not anywhere near Billy Wilder's best movie. It's not probably even his top ten. However, watching them makes me appreciate his his career and his filmography more because it's just the the fact that he can make these ditzy, light-hearted, romantic comedies, Mm -hmm. but also make some of the darkest, serious, really depressing noirs mm-hmm. and he just flip between them really easily and yeah i mean it's a seven year which isn't isn't a classic by any means but you can see how it appeals because this at the time was the big smash hit of marilyn monroe this yeah. really did put her on to a different level as well so yeah i enjoyed it i think it hasn't aged rather like that well but I don't think there's anything that offensive in it to really like get it cancelled, for example. No, and I think um, I think that's fair enough. It's not one that I probably watch again in a hurry. No, but it's one that um, it's it's one that I think everybody should at least be aware of. Yeah, just um, just, just for 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 the cultural. 
Well, you talk about cultural, it was actually banned in Ireland due to the fact that it was indecent and unfit for general exhibition. But yeah, that's the seven-year itch. Um, Lovely. Uh, yeah, definitely give it a little watch if you've not seen it before so we can tick it off your list. It's usually on those like must-see films yeah. before you die lists. It's an hour and 45 minutes. It is, and I say, yeah, if you just want to watch it for Marilyn Monroe's performance alone and just see, if you want to see what Marilyn Monroe, what, what the deal was about. Yes. And if you watch, say, two Marilyn Monroe movies, it'll probably be this and some like it hot to see what she was and what mm-hmm. she brought to it. I don't think they're her best movies. I think she's, she's delivered better performances, but those are the cultural highlights. I like How to Marry a Millionaire. You do? I like. The Misfits, Ooh. which was her second to last movie. Jot of Fair Blondes is also good. Yeah. But this isn't going to just be a Marilyn Monroe no. podcast. We no. shall move on to the next film. Yes, and we will have a short break and we will come back with my film, Rear Window. Tell me where she is. I don't What's know. What's she doing? Where is she? Maybe he's leaving his wife. I don't know. I don't care. Lots of people have knives and saws and ropes around their houses. And lots of men don't speak to their wives all day. Lots of wives nag and men hate them and trouble starts. But very, very few of them end up in murder, if that's what you're thinking. I, it's pretty hard for you to keep away from that word, isn't it? You, you could see all, all that he did, couldn't you? Oh, of course. You I could know. see because the shades were up and, and he walked along the corridor in the street in the backyard. In the backyard, fetching oh, the flowers. Oh, Jeff, do you think a murderer would let you see all that? That he wouldn't pull the shades down and hide behind them? Just where he's being clever, he's being naughty. Oh, and that's where you're not being clever. He's just being naughty. A, a murderer would never parade his crime in front of an open window. Why not? Why, for all you know, there's probably something a lot more sinister going on behind those windows. Where? Oh, no comment. So I chose for my pick Rear Window, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring, just to name the two main players, James Stewart and Grace Kelly. Mm -hmm. And it is the story of L.B. Jeffries, played by Stewart, who whilst recovering from a broken leg and pretty much bound to his wheelchair, believe he's witnessed a murder across his apartment complex and gets a number of people involved in the mystery. Yes. And the first thing that I want to mention before I forget of what I enjoy and what I love about this movie is this is probably my favourite film set of Mm-hmm. any picture of any movie. Um, that apartment complex, the way it's built and the way it's constructed to practically make you feel like the characters are on top of each other, the claustrophobia yeah. of it, it, it just gives the film that edge it needs to up the paranoia. Mm-hmm. And it's just good old-fashioned cinema. The orchestra, like how you would orchestrate for example, like the pans across the entire complex and there's so many moving paths and there's so many visual stories that you're telling yeah. at the same time. It's just so well directed um, and intricate and impressive. But the the issue that you have when you're talking about a film like Rear Window is, and this is very much the same with Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. is 
you've got a film that is 67 years old. Yeah. Is seen as one of the staples of of cinema, one of one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And it's being analyzed to all hell. So probably what I'm gonna say has been said many different times. <laughs> but I'm not gonna let that deter me. Um because this film is so, so special. And that is because it is such a gripping and fun time. Jimmy Stewart is perfect as this obsessed man stuck with equal amounts crippling boredom and the unrelenting heat. And Grace Kelly as his very forgiving girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. I'm not sure what she is at the beginning. It's like an acquaintance or something like that. No, I think they're dating. And like before... This could end up into a bit of a swoon session, but <laughs> the introduction of Gene Kelly, sorry, of Grace Kelly to this movie, where you just get the front on shot of her and she's leaning in to kiss Jimmy Stewart, it's kind of blurry. Mm-hmm. And she's leaning into camera as if she's leaning in to kiss you, to yeah. kiss the audience. And that is such a, like a, a nice, playful thing to have with the audience because Hitchcock knows exactly what he's doing. He's oh, like, yeah. you, you, that could make anybody get a bit hot under the collar. Yeah, and he's just playing, pushing the buttons of the public. And I looked at IMDb for this, um, and the first user review made me chuckle. Why? And, and the first paragraph is, why on earth a man heterosexual and still relatively young, would spend his time looking out of his window when in his room there is a woman like Grace Kelly could be the real mystery of this film. (laughs) But he's not young. They keep on calling him young man and he must be at least 40. I'd say 40, yeah. 40 upwards. (laughs) He is not a young man. He is a middle-aged man. (laughs) But before I blather on more about like what I think about this film, what did you think of it? So... I hadn't seen this film before. Mm. I'd seen parodies of it and things like The Simpsons. When you told me about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that film. It was done in The Simpsons and it was done in the one where Bart breaks his leg and then he has to sit and watch everybody playing in the pool all summer during the heat wave. Yep. I could practically recite The Simpsons. Hadn't seen this film. So (laughs) So many people, there has been so many parodies of this movie. But that's the one that stuck in my head because all I remember is that's how I learned what the word epidermis was. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, it was quite nice to actually be able to sit down and watch this film. Um, Lisa Grace Kelly. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. She's so beautiful. She's so... She just literally just like floats around the set in like these amazing outfits. She's like, oh, I'm all dressed casual. Hun, you dress fancier than me and I was when I got married. It's one of those where Grace Kelly made three films. Well, Hitchcock made three films back to back. He made this, To Catch a Thief, mm-hmm. and Dial M for Murder, mm-hmm. all starring Grace Kelly. And if mm-hmm. you think she looked good in this, you should watch To Catch a Thief. Really? Her and Car- uh, Cary Grant, incredible. And some of her costumes in that movie are just wonderful. But and that's it. It's just Grace Kelly has an, 
an aura about her that mm-hmm. in a way is that beautiful she doesn't seem to be real no it's like a doll it's like nowadays you'd be like okay that person's had like loads and loads of work done and there's a good filter on the camera i am sure that there were plastic surgeons back then able to make people look beautiful but grace kelly is very much she just looks so ethereal and so natural yes there's a little bit of soft focus on certain bits when you need it for effect but she was an absolute joy to watch the nurse i'm sorry brilliant loved her loved her from the minute she came in thought that she was great i wrote down no nonsense absolutely fab loved her (laughs) um jimmy stewart a little bit of a perv do you think? I understand he's got nothing better to do, though. And that's, I think, I think. I don't think. I think he. I think he is a perv by situation, not by choice. Yes, I, I give him that. And the fact is, it's what I think they do. Also, is they make it so that you can't help but look. Yes. So therefore, it's not really like he's. Everybody's he's, got the windows open. Yeah. Everybody's got the curtains open. Everybody's got the blinds up. Yeah, which brings the the whole summer heat wave into it. That's why yes. everybody's got everything open. I really like the the thing that Hitchcock did, where there's not really a lot of actual score to the film. Mm-hmm. A lot of the music and the actual noise comes from the surrounding apartments because there is the gentleman who does play the piano and everything, has a band over at one point to bring music in. Um, There's lots of little bits like that, which I quite liked because I felt like it made it feel oppressive. It does, absolutely. And it gives it that very city vibe Mm -hmm. of it's never silent. Yeah, you were in the apartment. With him. Exactly. And that is one of, stylistically, because even though you've said that, I don't know if you realise that we are never outside of that apartment no, ever. No, the only actually. The only time we are outside of it is at the end. Yes. When he falls out the window. When he falls out the window. And that's the only time we ever are outside. Everything is shot within the confines of that apartment. Mm-hmm. And talking about perspective um, and... What is seen and understood against what could be seen and misunderstood, yeah, and that is what the that's the edge, the the knife, um, edge that the film plays on. Mm-hmm. And I say I like it because at its heart, it really is just a simple idea, and I think that's what makes it so appealing. And you can easily put yourself in the feet of Jeffries. Yeah, you could. Of being there and being so bored and just trying to live your life through the lives of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And which leads on to my next point. And I think this is what the real genius of the film, um, of what Hitchcock does, because he properly delves into the psychology of his audience. Because you've got a person in L.B. Jeffries, Jimmy Stewart, who is stationary yeah sitting down being intrigued and entertained by a murder yes and that is exactly what as an audience and as hitchcock fans we crave but even going out of like hitchcock verse we as a society are fascinated by murder 
Oh yeah, I was uh, listening. We've just been to the gym. I've been listening to a murder podcast. And and that's it. It, it. Because I mean, probably now some more than ever because of the gazillion podcasts and TV shows that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it captures that with the fact that LB Jeffries gets Lisa and Stella involved in it and yeah. fully caught up and yeah. involved. And it's just like everybody likes to try and get the 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 gossip trying to understand um, why people would do things and it's it right it taps into those voyeuristic tendencies of human nature of like wanting to know what your neighbors are doing yeah and because there is a slightly tainted satisfaction <clears throat> about knowing people's business mm-hmm. what is basically gossip and i think this the way the film works and everything's within this apartment complex and on this inside courtyard, it's incredibly done because even though we don't really get to know them, mm-hmm. each of the neighbours have near enough fully blown personalities, oh, yeah. fully blown stories that play out like little silent movies. And I mm-hmm. like the fact that we've got different stages of relationships throughout yes, different... Yes, that's literally what I wrote. Yeah. I like that. So, so you've got the the newlyweds, you've got the old couple, you've got the um, Miss Lonely Heart. She was my favourite. And you've got um, the ballet dancer. And then even, even you've got Jeffries and Lisa who yeah. are having this complex relationship where I think everybody in the audience or anybody who watches this just shouts, stop being stupid. Yeah. It's Grace Kelly. Drop everything. <laughs> yeah. You ain't going to find any better. No, not at all. Stop trying to drag her up Machu Picchu for a photograph. <laughs> or wherever it was, he wanted to drag her. Uh, yeah, and I just find this film so, so entertaining and so fun. And it rips through its runtime. Um, it, I think, gleefully plays with not showing you everything or misguiding you mm-hmm. because it does misguide you a little bit. Oh, it definitely does. Um, regarding the, the woman that you see leave. Mm-hmm. And I think the funniest uh, comment I've seen on this while whilst doing a little bit of research is, do you know the person who sits in the dark smoking a cigar? Yeah. That is the killer. <laughs> it's just sort of like, well, yeah, of course. But I, I like how he plays with that ambiguity of, did he do it? Did he not do it? Yes. Is it just the fact that he's this bored man trying to give his life a little bit of drama? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, it's Rear Window. It's an absolute classic. Definitely. Um, definitely converted me to it. Brilliant. Is there anything else you, you want to... Not really. I just... Um, I just... A thing taken from this, I think, would be... Look after one another, and it's always a good reason to be ex-directory. So if you do piss somebody off, they can't hunt you down. <laughs> and that I think is for me. I know we've talked about, but it's just a set. But it's it's just so well done. And even like the tiny little slit that you get to the side, and you can see people coming mm-hmm. and going, and trucks and everything like that. It's everything. It's like a jigsaw. Oh, definitely. And everything has to work perfectly. I can't, I can't really even say anything more about it because I just love it so much. I mean, it looks great in 4K as yes. well. Um, it, it has a great transfer on iTunes. And that, I believe, is Rear Window. That is it. 1954's Alfred Hitchcock's 
rear window. And that's it. It's one of my real pleasures of doing this podcast is showing you off with Hitchcock's, Hitchcock's movies. <laughs> yes, I know. Because the guy is unbelievable. He is unreal. But that is it for this week's episode. That is it. What are we doing next week? We are doing The Social Dilemma. Yes. So we're doing films that have social media at its core. Yes. So get in touch with us, hisfilmhermovie.com. Yes. Email us, get us on Twitter. Discord. Facebook. You can go over the Discord. We've got like, I think, 18 or 19 people in the Discord now, which is keep on growing, which mm-hmm. is very good. And yeah, get in touch, get involved. We can't wait to hear from you. Yes, please. And that is it for this week. Speak soon. Tara. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Valley. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.